The following program does not offer personal medical advice. Please consult your doctor before using any treatment or product we cover. Welcome to Go to Health Radio with your host, Jonathan Marks. We provide a welcoming environment where experts educate you on important health topics, answer your questions, and provide information from which you can benefit in consultation with your doctor. And now, here is Jonathan Marks. Hey, everybody. This is Jonathan Marks. Welcome back to Go to Health. I hope you're having a good week. We've got an interesting show today. I know that many of you are aware of medical marijuana and CBD, which is cannabidiol, which is the non-psychoactive form of marijuana. And they're hot topics in the news and in medicine in terms of what um, marijuana and hemp can do for you medically. Um, And did you know though, that there are foods that can give you the same benefits that cannabidiol can. um, And we wanna talk about those kinds of foods today. So these are foods that can be good for your health, uh, good for your mind and your mood. And so we, these are called cannabinoids and cannabinoids exist not only in marijuana, but they also exist in foods. And I didn't know that. And there's a new book that's recently come out, which I will show you today. It's called the Cannabinoid Cookbook. It's right here. And it's by Dr. Joseph Feuerstein and Chef Daniel Green. They've been working together for quite a number of years. They have ongoing shows, which we'll tell you about during the rest of our show today. But we really are going to talk about identifying which foods have cannabinoids and how you can put them into your diet to help you with your health. So I want to welcome today Dr. Dr. Joseph Feuerstein. Um, He's got a wonderful background. He was born in England and studied medicine at the University of London and business management at Cambridge University. He completed a rotating internship in general and trauma surgery at the Tel Aviv University Tel HaShomer Teaching Hospital, and he served then as a combat physician in two elite units of the Israeli Navy, where he's still an officer in the reserves with the rank of captain. He came to the United States in 2002 and completed an internship and residency in family medicine at Columbia University and Stamford Hospital, that's Stamford in Connecticut, Stanford Hospital Family Medicine Residency Program. And he then spent two years studying with Dr. Andrew Weil, who you will know as a very famous doctor in integrative and natural medicine as part of the fellowship in integrative medicine at the University of Arizona School of Medicine. He's recently served 14 years as the director of integrative medicine at Stanford Hospital in Connecticut. And um, he uses nutrition, hypnosis, acupuncture, botanicals, and stress management to help treat chronic medical problems such as obesity, diabetes, elevated uh, uh, cholesterol and hypertension and many other conditions. And he's seen over 40,000 integrative medicine patients. So if you're into integrative medicine, this is the guy to follow. Dr. Feuerstein works in medical teaching at Greenwich Hospital and as an assistant professor of clinical medicine at Columbia University in New York City. He's received a certification in medical acupuncture from SUNY Downstate and also is certified in clinical hypnosis <laughs> for the, um, from the American Society for Clinical Hypnosis. He holds a license as a homeopathic physician from the state of Connecticut. 
and he has published over 30 peer-reviewed studies and poster presentations and won multiple awards for medical research and education and is a Castle Connolly New York Magazine and Connecticut Magazine top doctor. And he's also the co-host of the internet show Condition Kitchen on Everyday Health. And that's a, a, a website that you can go to, which is Everyday Health. We'll talk to you more about that and his upcoming shows. Um, and he's the author of the book that we're going to talk about today, The Cannabinoid Cookbook. So welcome to the show, Dr. Joe. How are you today? I am great, Jonathan. Thank you very much. That was a very long introduction. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I apologize to the listeners. Uh, I already had enough of myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Well, it's so impressive that I really wanted to share that with everybody. So, Thank Joe, you. with the cannabinoid cookbook, mm. I've got. Mm. I want to start with some basics. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what cannabinoids are and how it relates, how cannabinoids work in our body in what's called the endocannabinoid system. So let's explain that for us a little bit. A hundred percent. So from a historical point of view, I think we want to kind of big picture this. How do we even know about this system? So uh, there are herbs and uh, the like that we've been using in medicine for thousands of years. Uh, morphine is not new. Morphine from opium was used in ancient times in Egypt. And so was cannabis. Cannabis has been used for thousands of years in healing since Egyptian time. Um, what happened is, from a historical point of view, is that there was a lot of research done in the last century on why morphine works to help reduce pain. We use it all the time. And so someone in the 1960s, his name is Professor Rahul, Raphael Rahulam, and he's in Israel. He was a postdoctorate student and he said the same thing. Well, if opium, which is the where morphine, morphine comes from, if opium works on specific receptors of the body, then perhaps there's something in cannabis, which we've been using for thousands of years that might work as well. And so in the 1960s, he did work on this and he eventually came up with uh, the 1964 with the first cannabinoid, meaning it is derivative of cannabis and it works on the body's system, which we'll talk about in a second. The first one ever isolated in 1964 was tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the one that we all know about because that's the psychoactive one that's found in cannabis, uh, essentially in marijuana, okay? Mm -hmm. um, I am gonna, if, if permit me to kind of just describe a little bit about the different types of cannabis, because you need to understand just the nomenclature, in other words, the words for this. Okay, so basically cannabis is a plant. There are arguably three different versions of cannabis. We have cannabis sativa, cannabis indica, and cannabis ruderalis. Now, there are a lot of people who say that there aren't three types of cannabis, like subtypes of the plant, species of the plant. There's actually only one type, and that is sativa. And everything sativa, they're just different versions of sativa. So that's the cannabis plant. Mm -hmm. um, if cannabis, usually sativa, contains tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the the product, the, the, that compound that was found by Dr. Ma, by Dr. Professor Mahulam uh, in the 1960s, that by definition makes it marijuana. If it does not contain cannabis sativa, does not contain tetrahydrocannabinol, THC, 
then it's not marijuana, it is hemp. And CBD is the oil of hemp. So I just want to kind of explain that. I don't want to get into too much about ca cannabis and CBD, but I just I want us to understand. But the point is that there are lots of other compounds that work on the same system, the endocannabinoid system of the brain. And so basically, Dr. Mahulam, that's where it comes from, Professor Mahulam, in fact, in the 1980s, they, find, they found the receptors in the, the CB1 receptors found in the brain. Uh, about four years later, in 1989, they found the CB2 receptors. Those are found in the body. And uh, essentially, they then worked out in the end of the decade, you know, the, the, the millennium, in, in the end of 1999, Professor Mahulam came up with the idea that because cannabis has lots of different compounds that all work on this system, if you use them together, what's called the entourage effect, what you're doing is stimulating the system from lots of different angles. And the point of the cookbook is to use as many different cannabinoids in food. So the foods we talk about in the cookbook, they all don't work on the same way. They work on many different ways, all stimulating that system in lots of different ways, all there to increase your endocannabinoid system activity and will have health benefits. Got it. Thank you for that. So let's, I want to be clear. So we have an endocannabinoid system in our body and it happens to be receptive to cannabis cannabis and cannabidiol. But right. tell us, what does the endocannabinoid system in the body do? Absolutely. So this is an incredibly important system that is really not well known about until about 20 years ago. When I was in medical school, no one knew about that. You knew there was a cardiovascular system. You knew there was a pulmonary system. You'd never heard of an endocannabinoid system, but now we know it exists. In fact, the CB1 receptors, which are the cannabinoid receptors in the brain, mm -hmm. are one of the most, uh, the most common. They are one of the, the highest volume of receptors in the brain at all. And so the endocannabinoid system, it works essentially by being our homeostatic system. So what does that mean? The body wants to get back into balance. That's not just some kind of Zen idea. That's literally how this works homeostasis is the body getting back into balance. And when you learn about this in physiology, you know, this happens and the body tries to get back to its normal resting state. Mm -hmm. What we now realize is the system of the body that is responsible for getting back into balance is in fact the endocannabinoid system. Mm -hmm. And you need to be back in balance because in balance, when the blood pressure is normal and the heart rate and the respiratory system and all, everything has gone back to its normal resting state that is the best most ideal state for the body and so getting into homeostasis is important so the body if it is pushed out of you know th th there's a trauma you bang your leg or you burn or something like that with all the other things that are going on inflammation and healing there's also an activation of the endocannabinoid system making these uh specific endocannabinoids we make in our own brain that is stimulating the body to get back into homeostasis. What do they do? They regulate your sleep. What do they do? They have an effect on mood and neurotransmitters in the brain. They have an effect on metabolism, on appetite, on learning, on memory, fertility, mm. bone health, liver health, heart health, and CB2, more specifically, 
reducing pain and inflammation. So this system yeah. is everywhere and it's super important. And to be able to use food to actually stimulate it is a completely novel idea. Right. So I just want people to understand how important this system is. Now it has the word cannab cannabis, or it's kind of that derivative in the word, but it really is a natural system in our body, which happens to respond to marijuana. But as we're going to hear in the rest of the show today with Dr. Joe here, that there are other foods that also contain cannabinoids, which can benefit your body if you eat them. So um, this is this is a great first explanation, Joe. So what, uh, who kind of discovered that there were cannabinoids in foods? So this is, well, in foods, we go back to Professor Mahulam because he is the godfather. He's the godfather of cannabis research. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually got a copy of my book, which was a great honor to be able to give it to him. Oh, wonderful. Uh, he's still <laughs> a professor at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem in Israel. He's still working. He's still doing research. He is really uh, a great man in this field. And this field is super important because clinically, we are using this all the time. Mm -hmm. So just to talk about this a little bit, as you rightly said, the body has its own endocannabinoid system. There's an obvious question. If cannabis happens to work on the endocannabinoid system, does it not make sense that the body has its own natural cannabis? And the answer is it does. There mm. are two compounds. They were found in 1992. Uh, they're both derivatives of fat. And one of them is called anandamide. Anandamide coming from the, uh, the word for bliss in mm. um uh in uh, sanskrit and the other one is is 2ag2 arachidonyl glycerol and they are actually found in the body and so when the body has to stimulate the endocannabinoid system it does through not by making you go and smoke marijuana the body makes its own cannabis that's wow. what basically what it does wow. so what happened is as they looked more and more at the cannabis plants. They started to realize that there aren't just CBD and THC. There are lots of other cannabinoids. There's beta-carophyllin. That's a cannabinoid. There are terpenes. They're cannabinoid. They're derivatives. There's cannabinoidic acids. There's cannabigerol. There's all these other compounds that all work on that. But what's the new thing was that what we realized was that this is my essentially myself and Daniel is that there are many foods, a lot of them are spices that contain the same cannabinoid as hmm. found in cannabis, which is uh, um, beta carophyllin. And there are a lot of the substances, uh, a lot of the foods we're talking about are high in beta carophyllin. But as I said before, that's not the only way to do this. You want to stimulate the system in as many different ways at the same time to augment of the effect. And that is the entourage effect that we're going for. Got it. So we've got a lot of concepts here. We're going to talk mm. a little bit more in more practical terms in our mm. next segment when, mm. when, when you have a little bit more time. But what I wanted to <clears throat> get through in this first part, which Joe, you've done a beautiful job explaining to us, Thank you. is that we have an endocannabinoid system in our bodies, which as Dr. Joe was saying, regulates many processes in our bodies. And Joe, I would think uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, blood pressure and heart rate and everything. I would think stress is a major 
uh, stressor in our society these days. And I'm assuming that the endocannabinoid system also tries to help regulate our stress. Is that correct? That's actually how it's done. It's like, so for example, the CB1 receptors, what they actually do, getting a little technical, but there are other chemicals in the brain. It's not all cannabis or it's not all anatomide and 2-AG. There are GABA, there are neurotransmitters they're called, there's, uh, there's glutamic acid. Um, all of these things, they have stimulatory effects or inhibitory effects. They either wake you up, acetylcholine, or they re re relax you. It turns out that the CB1 receptors actually modulate the effect of all the other neurotransmitters in the brain. So, mm -hmm. It is incredibly important system. And it's one that we didn't really know that much about. So during stress, you think the different neurotransmitters in the brain are not going all over the place. We know they're going all over the place. And what's trying to get them back into balance, because my friends, the most important word is homeostasis, going back into balance, mm -hmm. is your endocannabinoid system. So that's the reason why people would be using cannabis, They'd be using CBD, they'd be using any cannabinoid to stimulate the ECS to try and get the effect of getting back into balance and reducing their stress. Good. That's great. And the, and the wonderful thing that we're going to be learning on this show and from the cookbook that you've created is we can now get some of these same effects, not only from marijuana, but the foods we eat. Absolutely. So, Good. So Joe, uh, everybody stay with us. We're going to be back after these few messages. We've kind of now got this endocannabinoid system down. And what we're going to talk about in the next segments is really more about the cookbook and the, and the uh, ingredients that you can use that stimulate your endocannabinoid system to health effect and staying in homeostasis and in balance. Again, this is Jonathan Marks with Go to Health. You can watch us at gotohealthmedia.com. We have all our videos there and you can listen to us on Voice America as well as seven other podcast networks. Stay with us. We'll be back for segment two and we'll be talking with Dr. Joe Feuerstein, who's written the book, The Cannabinoid Cookbook. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Listen for Go to Health Radio, featuring host Jonathan Marks and health experts from around the world who bring evidence-based education from Western, alternative, and holistic practices. We bring together you, seeking relevant and proven information for your healthcare needs and reputable healthcare experts and companies who offer quality education for your benefit. Monthly, we also share continuing education for medical professionals. Listen live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on Voice America Variety. You are listening to Go to Health Radio. To reach Jonathan Marks or his guest expert on the live program, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jonathan Marks at gotohealthmedia.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Welcome back to Go to Health. This is Jonathan Marks with Dr. Joseph Feuerstein, and he is the author of the book along with Chef Daniel Green. He's the author of the Cannabinoid Cookbook, which has just come out, and we're very excited to have him with us because this book is so new. So Joe, I want to talk in this next segment here, I think about four or five categories that you talk about Mm -hmm. foods that can actually help bring us into homeostasis. The first one, it was a cannabinoid you mentioned in the last segment called beta-carophyllin. Beta-carophyllin. Mm -hmm. Yes. And can you tell me what beta-carophyllin does and then examples of some foods that you have in the cookbook that contain beta-carophyllin? Yes, absolutely. So beta-carophyllin is a, is actually, uh, I kind of want to big picture this slightly Please. because, um, uh, what we want to talk about a little bit is essential oils. So again, my training is integrated medicine. So I don't use medications to treat patients. I use natural approaches. And one of them, certainly, especially in the realm of, 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 of infection, is to use essential oils. So there are a number of families of plants that make these oils. Many people have heard of chamomile oil, or uh, you've heard of tea tree oil, or you've heard of um, uh, eucalyptus, etc. So these are all essential oils and they have all clinical effects on the body. So there is an essential oil that's found in cannabis. It has its own essential oil because it's one of the plants that has, an ar has these aromatic oils. They contain these terpenes, which are uh, active ingredients that have effects on the body. And the one found predominantly in cannabis by, by weight is in fact, uh, something called beta-carophyllin. Um, and beta-carophyllin um, works on the CB2 receptors. It stimulates CB2 receptors. Now, just to give us kind so of- the, So the, just, just for clarity, CB2 receptors are in the body versus oh, in the, the brain. Body. Um, yeah, kind of more working on, so for example, uh, uh, you'd, you, you'd be looking at this more to stimulate the CB2 receptors. They have less of an effect on the, uh, uh, on the brain. It has a lot of effects on the body, but one of the reasons why the CB2 receptors are important is because we think that they help with reducing pain, reducing inflammation. And so that would be one of the ones that you look at. So when you look at cannabis, you know, the main fat plant of cannabis, cannabis sativa, um, what you've got is uh, the amount percentage in the essential oil mm -hmm. of the essential oil that's made of beta-carophyllin is between four and almost 40% of essential oil of cannabis is beta-carophyllin. The other ones that I'm using more for foods don't have quite the same percentage. So for example, ingredient number one is black pepper, piper nigrum. Piper nigrum has about 8% of the black pepper oil that oil is about 8% of that is going to be beta-carophyllin. So if you ingest it, you are taking beta-carophyllin and that is going to stimulate specifically the CB2 receptors. The interesting thing is that that smell that you get of pepper when you grind it is actually because beta-carophyllin is an aromatic compound. Uh, you actually get that smell because of the beta-carophyllin. That's the smell of pepper. Got it. So, uh, and so there are other foods in the book that also are high in beta-carophyllin. Rosemary, another beautiful herb. Cinnamon, another one. All of these, they are stimulating CB2 receptors specifically through beta-carophyllin. And what you're trying to do, and this is the beauty of the recipes, that's why I work with this celebrity chef, uh, Daniel Green, is he puts together as many of these compounds, as many of these ingredients at the same time. So you're not just going to have 
black pepper. You're going to have black pepper encrusted cod with rosemary and cinnamon and turmeric and truffle oil. You're having a rich endocannabinoid, a rich cannabinoid diet, and that is stimulating the endocannabinoid system from as many ways as you can at the same time. Right. So, Joe, I wanted to ask you, so you mentioned that the, the CB2 or the cannabinoid receptors in the body, most uh, an important function is to reduce inflammation. Can you talk very briefly about the role of inflammation in disease? Because I know that at least I've read, I've learned that inflammation is such a big part of what disease is. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Inflammation is a normal response of the body. So inflammation actually is a healing response. Uh, when we bang ourselves, the body has a very limited repertoire of behave of, of, of what it does when something happens. So if you bang yourself, burn yourself, twist something, etc., there is an, an immediate release of inflammatory mediators in the area to get blood supply there because you're going to need blood to bring nutrients to allow for healing. Right. Uh, lots of other things going on and uh, to get the immune system there. So all of this is happening and it's red, swollen and inflamed. The problem in disease is that it's overdone. You have too much inflammation. The, the cascade is therefore not useful because some disease processes has caused it to continue and continue. And that, for example, inflammation in the blood vessels, that's chronic inflammation, lots of things cause that, is associated with increased risk of heart disease. Mm -hmm. So inflammation is normal, too much inflammation is bad, reducing the inflammation through using the endocannabinoid system, specifically CB2 receptors, is a good thing. Great, thank you for that explanation. Now, another ingredient I wanna bring up here, and it's many people's favorite, let's talk about chocolate. Uh, we love chocolate. So chocolate is, uh, I mean, I, I could give you a half an hour just on the natural, uh, the, the benefits of chocolate, but basically Theobroma cacao is chocolate and it's been used since Mayan times in Greek mythology, the gods drank ambrosia. In Mayan mythology, they drink chocolate, good for them. And what's really interesting is you always in integrative medicine, you always want to know our forefathers, our ancestors as humans, what were they using this herb for? Because they were using it for thousands of years. They probably worked something out. So it's always useful in integrative medicine to know what was the original treatment. You know, how do we use this particular herb, spice or compound? Chocolate in Mayan tradition was used to reduce inflammation and fevers. Hmm. Because of the anti-inflammatory effect. And now we have a better idea of our understanding. It's probably working on the CB, the endocannabinoid system. So chocolate has a completely different way of working on the endocannabinoid system. And it works like this. Um, we make, you know, more in the, in the well, anandamide works, anandamide works in the brain that's stimulating the CB1 receptors. You make this stuff you need to get rid of it. If not, the receptors continuously, be, they're continuously stimulated, mm. okay? So the body has to get rid of this. This is no different from, we take antidepressants and they work by, 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 by inhibiting the, the reduction, the, reduction the, the breakdown of, of serotonin and that's what keeps our mood good. Mm. So what gets rid of anandamide in the brain? What gets rid of anandamide are two enzymes we make in our body. One, they're called the FAAH enzymes. One of them is called N-linolyl and the other one is called 
oleoethanolamide, and they are the two enzymes that break down an anamide. Well, it turns out that the enzyme FAAH, which is um, uh, which makes those compounds, those uh, um, basically is inhibited. So, so, so let me just explain. Those compounds are found in chocolate, and they, those two compounds, they <laughs> inhibit the breakdown enzyme that breaks down anandamide. Okay, so to go over again, we have compounds in chocolate that work in the same way as uh, an SSRI in depression prevents breakdown. Chocolate has those two compounds. They prevent the breakdown of anandamide by an enzyme we have in our brain called FAAH. And therefore the anandamide levels stay high and we stay happy, happy. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and that's the experience that many people have with chocolate is that happy, Absolutely. happy. Now, when we're talking about chocolate, just to clarify, we're not talking about milk chocolate. Right? We're, talking about, we're talking about literally cacao, which is from three of cacao, which is the name of the plant. Milk chocolate, you've now added a whole lot of milk fats. That's not necessarily making it healthy. It's making it unhealthy. Dark chocolate, which is high in cacao, that has a myriad of health benefits. Wonderful. Good. So, so this dark chocolate or this cacao keeps the anandamide in our systems and keep that's us, right. as you're saying, happy, happy. Yeah, that's right. Good. Great. Okay. Let's talk about another ingredient. And I know this has been big in the news and uh, many people talk about this is turmeric. And mm-hmm. what I know of turmeric, and you're going to explain more, is that it really helps reduce inflammation. So tell us what, you know, t- about turmeric and how that interacts with the endocannabinoid system and what turmeric does and how it acts in the body. Right. So curcuma longa, curcumin, which is a spice, uh, um, is uh, essentially, that's what we're talking about, which is turmeric. Um, and that's the, uh, the standardized part is, is this compound called turmeric. And we know that it is anti-inflammatory. In fact, we have studies showing that it works essentially, especially if we put it together with the ginger, it works on the same way as Advil would work. It works on an enzyme in the body called COX inhibitor, and it's a, 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 the COX, it's a COX-2 inhibitor is basically what it's, I'm sorry, it's a non-specific COX inhibitor. That's actually what turmeric does. That's what it does in terms of inflammation, which is why everybody loves it so much. The issue with turmeric is that it's not well absorbed from the gut. And so you have to add black pepper, ironically enough, because black pepper contains its own cannabinoid beta-carophyllin, but it will actually increase the effect um, if you add black pepper, specifically piperine, which is a compound found in black pepper, you add that to turmeric and it will make the turmeric better absorbed by the body to get a higher level to help with the inflammation. To your question though, how does it work on the body? So turmeric actually is a Uh, a cannabinoid, absolutely, it has cannabinoid-like effects, but it works a little differently. It's actually inhibiting CB1 receptors. And so the reason why we brought it in is because I like the anti-inflammatory effects. It is technically a cannabinoid, but one of the issues with CB1 is that, and anybody who's ever used uh, any kind of marijuana will know, that causes an increase in the stimulation of appetite. And so the postulation with turmeric is by reducing the activity of the CB1, you're reducing the 
the, the, the appetite, and that may have an effect on weight loss. And mm-hmm. that's kind of, I mean, turmeric probably has other ways that it might affect weight loss, but just in terms of the endocannabinoid system, too much CB1 may not be a good thing. So I like in Chinese medicine, balanced yin and yang. So I'm not giving you too much yang. I'm giving you some yin as well. You have a little bit of inhibition of CB1 in the turmeric because it can't all just be as much as possible. Right. Now, let me ask you a question. From what you're talking about, should people start taking tablespoons of pepper and turmeric? I mean, how do we do this? How do we ingest this? What's the, what's the productive way to ingest these things that will give you an effect? Right. So um, I'll tell you the Ayurvedic, that's Indian medicine. The classic way in Ayurveda that they take turmeric is not in a pill form. What they do is they take uh, a lot of Ayurveda is vegan. So they have a nut milk, an almond milk, a coconut milk, rice milk, whatever it is. It could even be hemp milk, I suppose. And they put in a teaspoon of turmeric. And that is classically how this is done. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to start taking supplements, then you take probably no more than a gram of turmeric. And it is more effective if it has black pepper derivative called piperine in it to help with its effects. I love the idea of food. So if you can take turmeric and you can put it in your food and you can drink some every day, a la what the Ayurvedic physicians do, I think that that's great. Just one thing to remember when you're taking it at those doses, it will interact with other medications. If you are on blood thinners, you need to be careful. If you are on Advil or you're on aspirin or you're taking Motrin or any of these things, it will interact and it can cause bleeding. So you need to be careful Mm. when you're taking it at the dose you are describing, you know, what I'm describing. When you're cooking with it and you're using it in food, you're not at that same dose. But if you're putting a teaspoon of turmeric, you're getting to a grams, grams of this. Now you need to be careful about interactions. Got it. Okay, so good. So really, it's, it's don't go whole hog on this thing. But we, you, as Joe is talking about, we want to be in homeostasis in balance. So let's not overdo it. Okay, let's talk about um, flax, because I know flax is another big ingredient in your cookbook. Let's talk about right. flax. <laughs> Flax is great. Flax, uh, actually from Roman times, has been used and flax, uh, I love the name. The name in Latin is linum ustatissimum, if I said that correctly. And what it actually means in Latin is the most useful. Why? Because flax is a food, ground flaxseed, we all know about that. Ground flaxseed helps lower good, uh, lower cholesterol, it helps um, uh, satiate to lower weight, it helps with um, reducing uh, blood sugar. That's just ground flaxseed. You have flaxseed oil, that's full of omega-3s, plant omega-3s. And obviously flax is very useful, as the Romans said, because it's used also to make rope and to make linen and all of these things, they all come from flax. So this plant is extraordinary. It happens to also have cannabinoid-like effects. And so researchers in Poland looked and found a non-CBD. So this is not CBD, but a CBD-like compound Mm -hmm. that was a CB2 agonist, meaning it stimulates CB2 receptors. And to remind you, the CB2 receptors are found in the body and they're important in inflammation, pain and and, and, and reducing those. So another way of, so they even thought, they even talked about the concept of taking flax, 
using flax bandages because the CB2, mm-hmm. because the this compound would then stimulate the local CB2 receptors and help reduce pain and inflammation. So that brings up a question. Um, you mentioned that CB2 receptors are around the body. Where in the body are they? If, if, if I just cut my wrist and I put it there, are there CB2 receptors in my wrist? So the CB2 receptors are found all over the place, certainly. They are found a lot in the gut, um, but uh, the, the CB receptors are more found in the spinal cord specifically, you know, obviously heavily in the brain, given that. But you're going to find them in lots of places, but you will find them, the gut, in the immune system, you'll find CB2 receptors, you know. Okay, so they really are all throughout the body. It's, it's yes, I mean, but they're in, they're in locations. They're in predominant locations where they are brain, uh, you know, gut, uh, uh, immune, immune, uh, uh, immune tissue. So, you know, what, what you're reminding me of and really makes me more appreciative is that we have here in the natural world, and for those of us who believe in God, God gave us these things, um, that there are natural compounds here that can heal us. And uh, as you said before, Joe, you don't use pharmaceuticals, you basically use natural medicines, and here they are, and this the is- effects that they can have on the body. In fact, as Hippocrates said, which is that food is medicine. This is literally. I'm just going with uh, with uh, with uh, with my uh, my my mentor uh, from 2,000 years ago, uh, Hippocrates himself. Uh, food is medicine, and so this is a book of how you use food to stimulate your endocannabinoid system. That's the whole concept here. Yeah. Wonderful. So the last one I want to cover in our, this segment is truffles. Let's Love talk about truffles. One. I. This is my favorite. I mean, look, obviously, chocolate, chocolate, right? Truffles is so elegant, it's so clever. So let me just give you the two seconds on truffles. They are a fungus, literally they're a fruit-like part of a fungus that's growing under the ground and it's basically associated with the the roots of oak trees. Mm -hmm. Um, They grow, uh, the actual actual, uh, truffles that we eat uh, are not the roots we're eating the fruiting body that allows all of the uh the spores to then go and you know so uh, go and propagate all over the place anyway so um and they essentially have a symbiotic relationship with these oaks and what happens is they increase the surface area of the roots of the oaks so the oaks the oaks can then get more nutrients and fluid and liquid and and good stuff from the soil and they get all the benefit of being on these oak trees and getting nutrients that are there and they are obviously the diamond of the kitchen there are different types of black truffles white uh, summer burgundy and they're extremely good and important in cooking so daniel this is one of his favorite oils um, they are a complete protein, meaning they have all the amino acids that you need as a human. Um, but what I love about them is what they actually do to the endocannabinoid system. There is a saying in integrated medicine, which is that nature does nothing uselessly. There's nothing, there's no reason for something to happen in nature unless there's a reason for it. Nothing is useless. So when you take a truffle, and you cut it, um, essentially, the uh, truffle has anandamide in it. It actually has anandamide. It has the bis molecule. It is a CB1 uh, receptor. By the way, um, anandamide doesn't just work on the brain CB1. It also works on CB2. So anything that's going to increase anandamide is good because it's a CB1 and a CB2 agonist, meaning it stimulates those receptors. So Everybody knows that if you want to get truffles, you get a truffle pig and they go and look and they smell these truffles and they smell these truffles 
uh, in, you know, in, 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 in southern Europe, uh, and they will find them. And then the truffle pigs go wild. In fact, there's a new thing where they have to get dogs, not, not pigs, because the pigs are going to eat all the truffles. Mm -hmm. And the question, and this is why nature does nothing uselessly, is why do the pigs... Um, why do the pigs, you know, why is there anandamide in a truffle? The truffle's not getting anything out of it, right? Or it's full of anandamide. It hasn't got an endocannabinoid system. It's a fungus. So why does it full of anandamide? It isn't for the truffle at all. It's for the pig because mm. the pig is looking for the truffle to eat the truffle because it's going to want to get a hit from the anandamide. And what does the truffle get out of this? The pig eats the truffle and the spores then go through the gut and the pig then goes and does its 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 uh, its business. And, and there's feces all over the place. And the whole of southern France is full of pig droppings that are full of spores, which propagate the spores to other areas. And so the truffles get all over the place. That is why nature does nothing uselessly. Very good explanation. That's great. So how does how do we so truffles have what kind of effect? So they will stimulate CB1 and CB2 receptors. They are an agonist, meaning they stimulate anandamide. They're full of anandamide is what they are. So okay. if you're having them, you're doing, you know, you're working. So again, the, the different foods in the book are having different effects. Some are CB1 agonists, someone's not going to stimulate the system, someone they're gonna, they're gonna reduce the, the the they're gonna increase the uh, the levels by blocking enzymes. And this one is pure anandamide, the bliss molecule. That's why truffles are great. And the truffle oil is great to cook with. And it's going to stimulate CB1 in the brain, CB2 in the body. It's all good. So is when we talk about CB1, just so I don't get confused, and truffles, are we talking about it being psychoactive? I don't think so. What effect yeah. is it having in the brain in the CB1? So it's stimulating the CB1, but never to the extent that you're going to get, you know, I mean, this is degrees. You're not going to be at the same degree when you're sitting there and you're taking uh, uh, cannabis, uh, uh, sativa or indica, and they're full of THC. THC is a very strong CB1 agonist. It's going to stimulate the CB1 receptors very strongly. You're taking quite a high dose. If you're taking 10 milligrams of THC, uh, which is what people buy when they buy medical marijuana or five or 10, you're taking a lot and you're going to get that effect. Truffles are stimulating it, but at a much lower level. Okay. You know? I mean, yeah. again, the concept of the book is to stimulate this system in 17 different ways. And, you know, I mean, not 17, but that's the point. The point is to use these different, uh, different substances, all of them food, to stimulate you in an endocannabinoid system using the cascade effect, hitting it from here and from here and from here and from here and from here. Uh, and if you are taking CBD or you are taking medical marijuana or you're taking recreational marijuana, this is only going to enhance the effect. It's not, mm. it's fine. You go right ahead. It's only going to make it better. Okay, good. All right. So we're talking with Dr. Joseph Furstein. He's the author of the book with Chef Daniel Green. It's the Cannabinoid Cookbook. We'll be right back after these messages to uh, talk with Joe about next steps you can take to start using the ingredients and also where you can buy the book. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Join Rebecca Hall Greider every week for her new podcast, The Author's Journey. Spend some time getting to know best-selling expert authors, discuss and listen to their journey, and find out what works for them and what hasn't. If you're an aspiring author, you'll want to hear their amazing tips that help you in your own author's journey. Each program helps you discover your own gifts and bring them and your message forward. The Author's Journey. Listen for new episodes on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to Go to Health Radio. To reach Jonathan Marks or his guest expert on the live program, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jonathan Marks at gotohealthmedia.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. Jonathan Marks with Go to Health. We're talking with Dr. Joseph Furstein. And he is the author of the book, The Cannabinoid Cookbook with Chef Daniel Green. And this has been a wonderful interview, Joe. I'm really enjoying this. Thank you for being on the show today. Pleasure. Um, so what I want to talk about in this last segment is I always like to, to, to emphasize what can people do next? Um, so um, if people want to uh, pursue this and are interested in the cookbook, first of all, they can buy your cookbook, right? It's online yes, it now. Comes out. Yes, you can pre-order. Please do. That always goes well. That would be on Amazon. Okay. Uh, if you go to Amazon, uh, it's being published by uh, Mango Publishers out of, uh, out of uh, Florida. Okay. And um, the Mango is apparently the fastest growing independent publisher in the world, apparently. Okay, so. good. So that's good Great. for us. So, so, the, so the first step is go to Amazon. So go to Amazon and write the word cannabinoid cookbook. And there is only one. There is nothing like it. In other words, you might find lots of books yes. giving you recipes for how to use cannabis or how to use, you know, how to make, I don't know, hash brownies or whatever it is. None of our recipes use cannabis at all because this is not using cannabis. This is using other foods to stimulate the same thing that cannabis does. Right. Okay. And if people want to learn more about your work, I know you're doing mm. an ongoing show with mm. um, uh, da Daniel Green. It's mm -hmm. called The Condition Kitchen. Yeah. And what? where do people find Condition Kitchen? So you go to uh, Everyday Health, www, everyday is in everyday, right. and then health dot com okay and uh you in the search bar you look for condition kitchen what you'll find it's actually very very neat what you'll find is myself and daniel and guests with a patient so the one that just came out uh in december was a lady with diabetes and i tell her what food she should eat and daniel teaches her how to cook those foods and because like many people, she's got weight challenges and she's got a not always healthy relationship with food. Mm -hmm. We also have a nutritionist who is specifically looking at mindfulness eating. And so she also teaches mindfulness. And so all of that to 27-ish, the whole episode is about 27 minutes and you watch Daniel Cook, which is always fun because he's on the Food Network. So it's nice to see that, but it's medical. And then he said, ask me questions and I tell you why this food would be good, why this food would be less good, etc. The new one coming out is with a lovely, lovely lady. It's coming out either next week or the week after. And she has a stage three colon cancer. And so mm. there's a different diet, a different way of eating if you have cancer. 
And the challenge with her, um, Jonathan, is that she has a two-year-old. So what is she going to eat that's going to be good for her, taste good, and be okay for a two-year-old? Because they mm-hmm. have quite, you know, sophisticated, or rather lack of sophisticated palates. Right. <laughs> and so Daniel comes with some amazing recipes that are good for the whole family. And then we have another one coming out. I believe it's at the end of this month, beginning of next month, which is heart month, which is someone with a heart condition and the diet we use for heart condition. Condition kitchen uh, on everyday health. Right. So am I understanding this is a monthly show? You do one new one each month? Is that right? So at the moment, we're doing it monthly. There's a discussion about it being picked up by one of the networks. But but at the moment, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of where we are. Okay. And, uh, and each one is a separate, we did uh, one on inflammatory bowel disease. So we had a lovely lady and that was for Crohn's. We did another one on diabetes. So, you know, it's always very good to have a team. And this is really what integrated medicine is about. We're not just about how you eat and how you sleep and how you move. You know, we want to do everything and we want to get experts to come help us. Right. Good. So um, again, this is if you go to everydayhealth.com. And you, when you get there, it's a large public education website on health. And when you get there, you want to put in condition kitchen and you'll find Dr. Joe and Chef Daniel there with their monthly shows. And it may be getting picked up and coming on more frequently. So watch for the news for that. that people can also stay in touch with you on your website, uh, mm-hmm. Joe, right? And it's Dr. Fierestein. And um, we will put the... It, uh, we will we will put this up on our website so you mm-hmm. can see the spelling, but let me spell it now. Um, it's, it's D-R, like doctor, F-E-U-E-R-S-T-E-I-N. So it's, it's mm-hmm. like the word fewer, F-E-W-E-R, but it's F-E-U-E-R and then Steen. So drfewerstein.com. Is that right, Joe? That's absolutely right. Exactly. Good. And what, what do you have on the website there that people can learn about? So I think you might find it and your listeners, viewers will find this um, of, of, of use. Uh, I have probably now 300 video blogs. So every one to two weeks approximately, I will do a video blog on, this is all based on science and it's usually based on a most recent published study. A lot of it is going to be more things that people wouldn't have heard of Mm -hmm. uh, in the world of integrated medicine. It's called the MD Minute. It goes on um, for about, it's probably more than a minute, it's probably about two minutes. I'll just give you a a sample. The most recent one I did was on melatonin because there's a a whole load of issues with melatonin that you should hear about. And I'm I'm a big fan of melatonin. I'm an integrated medicine doctor. I use melatonin all day. But the point is you need to know about melatonin because there's some research on people who shouldn't be taking melatonin Go watch the video. It's on YouTube as well. It's obviously on uh, uh, It's on my LinkedIn. It's on my Facebook. It's on my Twitter. And every week to two weeks, there's a new video. The one I did before that was there's a new vaccine came out for COVID-19 that's plant-based. It's a derivative of plants. Again, mm-hmm. research. It's all research. I don't make it up. But it's interesting thing I think people should know about. And when you go on the website, you can sign up if you want and you'll be on the newsletter and you'll get every time I do a new video, you'll get one too. There you go. That's the way. So, uh, Joe, just to be clear, you're not seeing patients. You're not doing clinical work. At the moment, no. At the moment, I'm teaching at Columbia and I'm doing a lot of consulting and a lot of the media stuff uh, with different television opportunities that that have arisen. 
Wonderful. So you can get Dr. Joe's wisdom and knowledge and evidence-based medicine, which you know, at Go to Health, we really focus on evidence-based medicine. You can get a lot of that by going to Dr. Furestein's website. That's drfurestein.com. And um, you can sign up for his newsletter and you'll get notice of his continuing and frequent videos. Uh, and you'll be able to follow what's going on with Dr. Joe. So Joe, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I wish you the best with your cookbook. Um, I think it's a very valuable addition to um, the whole endocannabinoid lore and knowledge, uh, which again was discovered in the 1960s and 70s by Dr. Raphael Meshulam. And um, it's, it's just a continuation of this kind of evidence-based medicine. Joe, thanks so much for being with us today. It has been my honor. It's real my privilege. Enjoy the book, guys. Enjoy the recipes. Uh, have a cannabinoid-rich diet. Good. Thank you. And I will say that I've gotten a, a copy of this book, and I've uh, really been, de <laughs> I've been devouring the book. It's got some wonderful recipes in there that are really, that's, that's the brilliance of this book. It's a combination of using cannabinoids, but also with a really top chef. Uh, so you really get some great recipes to enjoy. Joe, thanks again for being with us today. Wonderful. My pleasure. Good. So thank you all for being with us today. I want to remind you that you can see us and watch us on gotohealthmedia.com. And when you go to healthmedia.com, you can also opt in to get on our email list and get emails about upcoming shows and also reminders about past topics. So maybe you missed some of our shows and you'd like to see them uh, for the first time. So you can go to the website there and watch the videos when you want. We are also, of course, heard on voiceamerica.com. We're also heard on a number of podcast channels, including Google, Apple, Amazon, um, and about four or five others. So we're on many, many podcast networks. And one thing I'd love for you to do, if when you visit our website, there's a, a tab that says testimonials. If you could click that testimonial tab and leave us a testimonial to let us know how you like this show and the other shows that we have there, that would be great because it really helps spread our word. And the word that I'm trying to get out to people is elevate your life with expert health news you can use. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this show. That's why I love doing this show is sharing evidence-based medical information with you so that you can elevate your life. Take care, everybody. This is Jonathan Marks. And remember, go to health. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in this week to Go to Health Radio. Be sure to join Jonathan Marks and another health expert next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You can also catch the program on your favorite podcast platform. Until our next show, be sure to visit us on the web at gotohealthmedia.com and elevate your life.